Uh, don't tell me all you people want rooms too. Listen, listen, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times. I have no room for any of you in my inn, okay? So you can all go away. We have this understanding, and you can let me be. Actually, you guys aren't looking for rooms, are you? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. That was, that was a very terrible way for me to introduce myself. Listen, my name is Levi, and um, I'm one of the innkeepers here in Bethlehem. And you know what? I'm probably the only innkeeper that you're going to want to be staying with at the moment. You see, uh, the guy down the street, um, whose name shall be withheld by court order, um, he, he actually um, uh, rented out a room to some free spirits earlier in the month. You probably know the people I'm talking about. Well, as they left, they kind of left him with a nasty infestation of bed bugs and horseflies that he's, that he's kind of dealing with right now. So, you know... Uh, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rambling. I, there's been a lot going on this past couple weeks, and I, I have a tendency when I'm stressed just to kind of, just to kind of talk and ramble a lot. You guys have no idea what's been going on these past couple weeks, do you? Okay, well, you know what? Let me explain. You see, there's this guy um, in Rome. His name is Caesar Augustus, and. Uh, Actually, actually, I'm sorry, I, I, don't have, I don't have any time to explain. Let me just sum up, okay? There's this brainiac at the Capitol that believes that his pockets aren't full enough of our money already. So what he's decided to do is he's decided to take it upon himself to squeeze every single last dime of tax money out of us as he can. So, so, so this genius has come up with this plan, okay? What he wants us to do is he wants everybody to go back to the town that they were born in in order to register. As soon as they register, they can be counted, and he can make sure that he's got everything that he thinks is coming to him. Oh, yeah, that's a wonderful idea because our town that was built to hold 200 people on a good day Suddenly, we have to accommodate 10 to 20 times that amount as everybody is coming back. Listen, I was happy when half of these people left. Now they're all coming back, and now I don't know what to do with them all, all right? It's gotten, I, I just hope that the guy in charge of all of you is a little bit more with it than the person we have to deal with. But anyway, um, as you can imagine, the, uh, the counting that's going on isn't as efficient as we would like it to be. So now, all these people are looking for a room in my inn. It's just, it's just gotten really bad. I'm just so stressed out that my wife has kicked me out of my house because I have a bad attitude or something. And now I'm sleeping in the lobby with 10 to 15 of these people that I just met. And as you can imagine, we've become very, very close friends. All right, it's just, it's, it's just crazy. But, but you know what? All the craziness that's been happening this past couple of weeks cannot compare to what happened last night. And uh, it's something I'm just never going to forget. I was, I was sitting there or lying there trying to get some sleep um, amid the chorus of, uh, of snoring and bedwetting and uh, sleep talking when all of a sudden I heard this loud rapping at the door. Now, this rapping was nothing like vanilla ice, uh, let me tell you. It was, uh, it, was more of a, it was more of a pounding, you know, it's just, just a knocking, a persistent, annoying thing that was happening. It's, it's a kind that gets into your brain and just twists it around so that you're begging for it to stop. Actually, that sounds a lot more like vanilla ice than I thought. But, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. All right? so, so, so I knew that the, the person or people on the other side of that door were not going to be giving up anytime soon. So, so what I did was I lit a lamp, and, and, and the best I could, I just stepped over the people that were sleeping in the lobby. I was stepping on who knows what as I got to the door. And as I opened the door, I saw them. There they were, as big as day, 
Well, she was as big as day, if, if, if you know what I mean. He was a little more slight. But anyway, I'm, I, I'm no doctor, but taking a look at their faces, I could tell that the stress was, was showing me that this girl was going to be having a baby, and she was going to be having it quickly. I just, I just didn't know what to do. I mean, they were begging me for a place to stay in my inn. And I kept telling them, no, 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 listen, I've got no room. Listen, I'm, I'm five to six people per room. You can see the lobby is just strewn with bodies. What do you want me to do? But they kept asking. They kept persisting. And I was just like thinking, no, 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 no. It's just, it's, it's just not going to happen tonight. You're going to have to find some other place to stay. Plus that whole baby coming out business tends to make a bit of a mess. Well, well, and anyway, I, I, decided to, I decided just to shut the door, to say that the conversation was over. But something or... Someone was telling me not to do that. And, and, and as I looked in their faces, I, I just realized that there's this mix of desperation and, and, and determination that I just couldn't say no to. But I, I, I just didn't know what to do. Was I going to go to somebody's room that I already had rented out and, and just ask them to give up their space? I mean, I, mean, I, can't, I can't inconvenience them. But at the same time, I was just wondering, maybe, maybe because this couple was in such a bad situation that they would give up their room. Well, I... I don't know if it was panic or if it was the best idea that I've ever had, but I just said, I just said to them, I said, hey, listen, you know what? I've I got some space for you. I can make some space out in my barn in the back. It's where we keep the animals to take care of the guests that, that are staying in my inn. You know, it's, it's, it's not the best, but it's, it, it has a lamp. It has some hay and some straw. Maybe you can find some space out there. Well, as, uh, as the couple was walking towards the barn, I shut the door and I just got to thinking, man, did I do the best for them? Was that exactly what I needed to be doing in this situation? I mean, they looked so much in love and so much wanting to do what was best for their child. I wonder if I just did my best for them. You know, that night I just kept saying to myself, Levi, Levi, it's okay, it's okay. You've, you've done well. It's, it's, it's all right. But the more I tried to assure myself the less sure I became. Obviously, I didn't get much sleep last night, just wondering if that was what I should have been doing. But I don't know. You, you all would have probably done the same thing if you were in my situation, right? Tomorrow's Christmas. It's a day that we celebrate the birth of our Savior. And when you think of the first Christmas, you have to recognize that there were some characters that played a significant role in one of the most vital days in all of history. In fact, we've looked at some of these characters. We started with the stepfather of Jesus. His name was Joseph. And we looked at a group of characters called the shepherds. And then we finished with probably a guy who's really not even known for Christmas anymore. His name was Simeon. But when we think of all the characters in the Christmas story, I think the one we know the least about and the one that is misrepresented the most is a character called the innkeeper. 
and we find his story just in one tiny piece of scripture. Luke chapter two, verse seven, it says this, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And here's that phrase, because there was no room for them in the end. And so for hundreds of years, we've just believed culturally that this is how Jesus was born. Mary and Joseph were on their way. They were traveling to Bethlehem. And they did what most of us do when we're traveling. They looked for a place to stay, an inn, a hotel. Maybe it was a Holiday Inn, maybe it was a Ramada Inn. But as they came to this inn, here they met this character, the innkeeper. And he comes to them with bad news. I don't have any rooms. There's no vacancy. I mean, what was he supposed to do? Was he supposed to kick somebody else out and make room for Mary and Joseph? I mean, he had no rooms available. But the problem was, is he was faced with this dilemma. Mary was pregnant. She was due at any moment. He couldn't just throw a pregnant lady out on the street. So he did what most of us would have done. When there was no room, he made room. He looked out in the backyard to the garage and he saw this barn-like structure where he kept his animals. And he said, hey, I don't have any room, but you can stay here. And so that's where we believe Jesus is born, in a stable with animals placed in a manger. But the question is, is that how it really happened? Is this truly who the innkeeper was? So Mary and Joseph, they were headed to Bethlehem. We know this because scripture tells us. Earlier in Luke, it says this. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Mary and Joseph were doing exactly what Caesar asked them. He wanted this population count of the entire Roman empire. And so Mary and Joseph are headed back to their hometown. They're headed back to visit family, to visit their roots. And it's much like we do in, during the holidays. You see, some of us, we have tickets booked for an airplane ride or we ha are, we're getting in our cars and we're gonna travel and see grandma and grandpa or mom and dad or aunts or uncles or cousins. And we're going to visit family. And interestingly enough, as you visit family, for some of you, you're gonna be going back to your hometown to where you grew up. And Mary and Joseph are doing the exact same thing. Because of this census, they're headed back to their roots, to Bethlehem. And so as they travel towards Bethlehem, as they get closer to Bethlehem, they're not going to visit some hotel. They're not gonna stay in some inn. They're going to visit family. You see, their family was the innkeeper. And as they get closer to Bethlehem, you have to understand, that Joseph would have had plenty of relatives to visit because Bethlehem is referred to in scripture as the town of David. And Joseph was from the lineage of David. And so there would have been plenty of relatives he could have visited in Bethlehem. But as they get closer to Bethlehem, 
they realize when they get to the house they're gonna be staying at, that there's no room. Why is there no room? Because of the census. Bethlehem was a small town, and as people gathered in for the census, houses were being filled, relatives were visiting other relatives, and so Mary and Joseph get to this house and they realize other families there. There's no room. Now, we have to understand the culture and the context. A Hebrew house in this day and age would have consisted of just two rooms. There was the upper room, which was a huge great room that was used for a lot of purposes. You would cook there and eat there, you would fellowship there, and you would also sleep there. And there was a lower room. This was much like a garage in our culture, a place where they would keep the animals during winter to keep them warm. Also a place that, to, that would protect their animals from thieves. And in this lower room, you would find mangers with hay and food for the animals. And so as Mary and Joseph approach Bethlehem and they get to the house they're gonna be staying at, they realize that there is no room. But their family did what family would do. When there was no room, they created it. When it comes to the birth of Jesus, I think a lot of us can relate. Because during the holiday season, when there's no room, we make room. I mean, it starts in December, early December, when we're shifting couches and furniture around to make room for our Christmas decor. We're putting up our Christmas tree, the lights, the wreaths, and we're making room for the holiday season. But then it continues into later December, when we're figuring out our schedules. We realize that family's coming into town and we're hosting, and we don't have that big of a house, but we make room anyway. We blow up air mattresses, we move kids to different rooms, and we make space, we make room for our family. And then it comes to Christmas Day, when our family's in town and the turkey's cooking, the ham is baking, the sides are ready, but we realize that we only have eight chairs in our dining room. And so what do we do when there's no room? We make it. We set up an extra table, we put out chairs from the basement, and we gather together as a family and we make room for everybody. And in a season like Christmas where all throughout the holidays we make room, what's interesting is when it comes to Jesus, we find ourselves saying, there is no you see, the same problem Jesus had on his first birthday, he has today. People continuously tell him, there is no room. Jesus, I'm busy building my business. I'm busy chasing my kids and being a parent. And in the craziness of life, we look at the Savior of the world and we say, sorry, I don't have room. And this Christmas, I would beg to differ. You see, I think there actually is room. The question is, will you make room for the Savior of the world?
Family hiding from the storm Found no place at the keeper's store It was with this a child was born To save a world so cold and hollow Sleeping town it did not know that lying in a manger low the savior king who had no home has come to heal our sorrows is there room in your heart is there room in your heart is there
About 11 years ago, my wife and I, we were engaged to be married. And so when we sat down for the initial planning, my wife made a deal with me. She said, Drew, I'll plan the entire wedding if you'll just take care of the honeymoon. And so before she could change her mind, I said, deal, done, consider it done. And so I went on this journey to plan the perfect honeymoon. I wanted to surprise Ashley. I wasn't gonna, I weren't gonna tell her where we were going, any of the details, she would experience it all when we got there. So I started talking to travel agents and they began to send me locations and resorts until I narrowed it down to Jamaica. I knew my wife wanted to go somewhere warm. She wanted to go somewhere where there's a beach and she wanted it to be all inclusive. And so I found Jamaica, I thought it was the perfect place. And so my travel agent started sending me resort after resort after resort. And so I reviewed a bunch of different resorts, but I found this one, this one that was adding an addition onto its resort. And they were creating these new state-of-the-art rooms with jacuzzis in them. And I was like, this is perfect, let's book it. And so six months out, I booked our honeymoon. I couldn't wait for Ashley to experience it. It's the greatest surprise to start our marriage. So two weeks out from our wedding day, we're finishing up the planning, doing all the fine details, families coming into town to, to celebrate with us, and my travel agent calls me. And I just kind of thought this was standard procedure, like, okay, Drew, make sure you take your passports, you got all the information. So I pick up the phone and my travel agent says, hey, Drew, I, I have terrible news. Like, okay, uh, what, do, what do you mean you have terrible news? She says, well, I just called your resort, and they have no record of you staying there in the next two weeks. Okay, uh, this doesn't make any sense. Like, how, how could they have no record of us staying there? We booked it six months ago. I paid for that hotel. She said, well... When we booked the rooms, they weren't built yet. And so when they were finished being built, your reservation was supposed to transfer in, but that never happened. And now two weeks out, the resort's completely full and there's no room for you. <laughs> Did you just say there's no room for us? Like, what do you mean there's no room? I, like, you, you gotta figure something out. We, 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 I paid for this, like, oh. <laughs> And so she told me she would call me back when she had new news. I was devastated. I had one job, plan an awesome honeymoon. I thought in my head like, oh, what should I do? Should I tell Ashley? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> She's about ready to get married. Like we're two weeks out, I can't tell Ashley. I guess we could do something local. That sounds fun. My heart sank down to my stomach and all that I've been waiting for and dreamed for was ruined. So about an hour and a half later, our travel agent called me. And right before I picked up the phone, I was like, okay, Drew, this is your moment where you put your big boy pants on and I know you try to be a nice guy, but you just gotta be a little mean. So I picked up the phone and I was ready to let him have it. And before I could say anything, she said, Drew, I have got bad news and I've got good news. And I'm like, oh, well, 
can it get any worse than this? Let's start with the bad. She said, the hotel tried everything, but there's no rooms available. They can't kick anybody out. They're not going to kick anybody out, and so you can't stay there. And all my dreams and all my hopes vanished. So what's the good news? She said, well, the president of the resort heard your story, and he wants to do something for you. I was like, okay. He's, he said he wants to put you in the best resort that they have. It's about 20 miles down the road. It's a five-star resort. And he wants to put you up in Oprah Winfrey's penthouse suite. Yeah, I think we can handle that. Can I get a 10% discount? But when there was no room, they made room. And isn't that really the theme of Christmas? I mean, for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about making room. Joseph and Mary made room for Jesus. The shepherds and Simeon made room for Jesus. The innkeeper, he made room for Jesus. I mean, that's what Christmas is about, right? Where the world is making room for the Savior of the world. But honestly, that's really not what Christmas is about. You see, we think Christmas is about the world making room for Jesus. But honestly, Christmas is about God making room for us. It's about God, the Savior of the world, stepping out of heaven and stepping into a messy, sinful world, making room for our condition to come and to die on a cross to pay a penalty that we couldn't pay. See, we're not making room for Jesus. He's making room for us. In fact, this is what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's not a distant God. He's not a God who's far away. But he's a God who came down to be with us, to make room for us when we needed it most. Why would he do that? Why would God care? It's because he loves you. Because he's crazy about you. In fact, this is what the Bible says. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So that is the story of Christmas. It's God creating space for us when we needed it most. And giving his one and only son to die for us so that we might live. That's how he showed his love. But what's so interesting is it leads us all to a question. Because God made room for us, it leads us to this point where we all have to make a decision. God made room for us, but will we make room for him? Have you made room for him? Because at the very beginning, when Jesus was born, I think he faces the same problem 2,000 years later, where we look at the Savior of the world and we just say, God, I'm busy. I got a business to run, God. I got kids to chase after. I've got a future to figure out. I've got a spouse to find, God. I've got retirement to figure out, God. I'm just 
too busy. Sorry. There's just not room this Christmas. Maybe Easter. Maybe next year. And the same thing Jesus heard at his birth, he hears today. I just don't got room. I'm busy, God. And I believe this. You'll never experience Christmas until you experience the person and the Savior of Christmas. You'll never know what Christmas really is about until you know who Jesus is on a personal and intimate level. The reason I can say that is because I can't speak for any of you, but I can speak for me. Years ago, I made room for Jesus in my life. And because of what he's done in my life and because of what he did on the cross for me, that he paid a penalty that I couldn't pay, he's made me a better father, a better husband, and a better leader. And he will do the same thing for you. But you have to make room for him. And that looks different for a lot of us. See, some of you today, you need to make Christ the leader and forgiver of your sins. Where you just say yes to Jesus for the very first time. You say, I want you to lead my life. I want you to be my savior. And I want you to walk with me through this journey of life. Because it's difficult. But for some of us, we've made that decision. And we think, oh, I'm done making room for God. But do you realize this? As you walk with Jesus as a Christ follower, as a Christian, as a disciple, you live in this constant state where you are always making room for more of God. Where you decrease and Christ increases. you got to make room every day for your Savior. Whether you know him or you don't. So this Christmas, I would ask you, Will you make room for him? I want to give you that opportunity. So will you bow your heads and close your eyes? You know, maybe you're here today. And for some reason, you just came to church. You don't even know why you did. Maybe someone invited you. Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. Can I tell you, I'm so glad you're here. And you've kind of been wondering what life is about. You're trying to figure it all out. And I'm telling you, Right here is your moment where you get to experience a Savior. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. It's not a complex equation. You don't have to stand up and do a dance. All you got to do is cry out to a dad who a father. Say, I need you in my life. Would you say these words? God, I need your forgiveness because I recognize I'm a sinner. God, I pray that you'd forgive me of my sins, and I believe in you, God. I believe you are who you said you are, that you came and you died and you rose again on the third day for me. And God, today, right now, on Christmas Eve, I want you to be my leader, my savior, my guide, and my strength. So will you come into my life and will you rescue me? Maybe you know Christ today. Maybe you're walking with Christ, but maybe it's got a little crowded in your life where the things of the world are crowding out Christ. And may you just say this simple prayer if you know Christ and you're walking with Christ. God, this Christmas, may I decrease and may you increase. May I make more and more room for you as I continue on in this journey. God, thank you so much that we have a Savior. 
that this Christmas we don't celebrate the presence under the tree. We don't celebrate the lights. But we celebrate you. That you stepped out of heaven and you rescued us all from our sin. And so I pray that would be the focus of our celebration this Christmas Eve and this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I challenge you, if you made that decision to follow Jesus as your personal Savior, and don't leave here today without telling somebody, tell your campus pastor, tell your community group leader, tell the person who invited you, don't leave here today without telling someone you made the best decision of your life. So communicate that to somebody. You can put it on your connection card. Put Jesus, write your name and your email, and we'll walk with you. We'll celebrate with you through this journey. If you're watching online, send us an email. Let us know because we want to know. But we're going to continue uh, singing and praising God and celebrating what Christmas is. So will you stand with me at all of our locations, and will you continue to sing with us?